Ladies and gentlemen, it is your boy, Sam Gilstrap. That name's got a ring to it like a wedding vow. The song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble, so that can only mean one thing. First of all, go download that track so they don't sue me. It's on iTunes. It's everywhere else. Spotify, you can get it. War, Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. But it also means that it's time for another episode of the of the Ghost Lights Podcast. Thank you for joining us today, Ghosties. Today's unofficial, actually official sponsor today is Sobriety. There you go. It's a thing. It's a thing. Yeah. It's 9.45 in the PM on election night. I needed to get woke. I need to have a conversation with somebody who I respect and um, sharing this. I'm intimidated at the moment. I just, okay. there's, there's, a, there's a grounded presence about you that I'm like, <laughs> I ha- I've been dealing with kids all day. That have been at my throat, so I'm like a calm. I know how that is. I know oh, how it is. I, uh, I'm glad to have him. It's Ryan Fu, everybody. Hello. Hello. The, dul- the dulcet tones of Ryan Fu. Mm. So thank you so much. Oh, it's really my pleasure. Yeah. I've had a full day, but it's like this is a nice way to chill out and sort of coast into the night. Definitely. We got a candle. We have a candle lit. We're just going to good vibes in here. It just feels really nice. Yeah. It's it's an absolute pleasure to be here. Well, thank you, man. It it is, it is, it is a big honor for me to have this opportunity to get to talk to you, get to know you better and get to just share experiences and stuff. Mm -hmm. So usually what I do is I ask theater, the arts. Yeah. Ryan, how did it happen? Theater for me? Yeah. Well, um, I'm actually kind of similar to, somebody that I'm a big fan of in the sort of theater canon, which is David Mamet. Mm. Um, I, similar to him, I, I never started as an actor. I don't really consider myself an actor either, which mm. is so interesting, but I love theater. I do a lot of theater. I do a lot of improv, a lot of comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, I've directed several shows and my main gig is as a producer. Mm. Um, so I see theater from a lens where it's sort of like, I've always been around theater kids. I've always been backstage and on stage with theater kids. Um, but sort of found my place somewhere in the production world, in the sort of um, you know, the the stratosphere of how theater really operates. Mm. So that's sort of like uh, how I went to Denver School of the Arts, but I was never a theater major. Mm. Uh, my friends were all theater majors, and I was a vocal major. And then we all went to college together and uh, dropped out and started a theater company. And eight years later, here we are. Nice. That theater company is? Black Actors Guild. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That is, it's, it's, it's so funny. Like I've, I've seen that company around doing things I've, I've caught. It, that's the show. Your teeth is the improv group. That's kind of an offshoot from it. Yeah. It's a, it's one of our shows. Yeah. It's one of our shows. Oh, one of the shows. Okay, great. It's just such a, a unique group of talented people doing some fun things. I did a show, Mr. Campbell, Jeff Campbell. Jeff Campbell. He's a member of the black actors. Guild. Yeah, yes. He, he wrote a play that I was involved in. It's such a, which play? Um, the final fight of the freedom fighters starring theo wilson oh wow yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i was uh i was the guy that owned the coffee shop Beautiful. in his in his hometown it was he's a great writer i love jeff yeah it, it's smart yeah. like it, it's it asks like especially that particular play it asked this really unique question of i mean it, it didn't get too preachy because it, it it showed the freedom fighter as a human yeah and and that's and I think that was one of the big takeaways for me is like the people involved in those in any type of activism, mm-hmm. they start as the same thing that we all are, and that's a human first. That's right. And it's it was just a great take on that. Yeah, 
Yeah. I think it's so easy to forget in like our martyrs and our heroes how mm-hmm. human they are. And uh, and Jeff's writing always does a great job of capturing that. It's it's yeah, it's refreshing. Good. Especially in this day and age. Yeah. With your involvement in the arts, what what are the what are the things that drive you? Like where where do you get your inspiration from? Um, what do you want to create? Ooh, what do I want to create? I think that changes so often. It's hard to say it's one particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm most drawn by authentic, really high taste level, authentic creation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's sort of difficult to pin down what that is. Art is so subjective generally, but uh, take Jeff's work, for example. I've read several of his scripts and it always strikes me that the intention behind his piece is very clear. Mm-hmm. It's simultaneously very nuanced and very clear. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of high taste level. It's like, I, I, I don't drink, but like, you know, a really uh, complicated wine, I yeah. think you might say is a decent metaphor that you sip it and there's like, there's so much there, but it's not too much this or too much that. Mm-hmm. So there's a sort of taste of art that I very much love. Um, it is also things in the sort of, I don't want to say social justice genre, but it's capturing the human story. It's uh, it's developing our common mythologue, our common archetypes. I'm a big Joseph Campbell fan. Hmm. So really, I love any story. But um, something about the story of the hero and uh, and how it, how that hero sort of can take place, take seat in all of our, in the thrones of all of our consciousness. Hmm. That's the most interesting stuff to me. That's, that's really interesting. What is... What is it about the? Uh, explain this hero. Yeah. Who is that? Is it your hero, no, or no, do no. you see it as this? There's there's an archetype that. Yeah. There's a sort of archetype. I mean, it's hard to say because the hero can be any archetype. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joseph Campbell wrote a really popular book called "The Hero of a Thousand Faces." Mm. It talks about why why are we so interested in the hero? Well, it's because we all think we are the hero of our own stories, right? Yeah. We all fancy ourselves the protagonist. Mm. Um, there's no one who thinks, well, I'm the bad guy or I'm the antagonist. Or, <laughs> You're the main character in your own story. And that something sort of spiritually and on a sort of level of consciousness, that story is the story of us. It's the story of humanity. It's mm. the story of, of a soul or, a, or a, you know, a, an Atman. It's the, it's the story of you. Mm. And that's why everyone finds the story interesting. And Right now, the most popular one is the hero. So. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I mean, for for me, it, the, when I hear hero, obviously I go to a. And forgive me. Sometimes no. it seems even juvenile, but the superheroes. Oh, and, I mean, how that seems to be the the most readily accessible way we show that yeah. to the world. It's popular right now in America. Yeah, but you know that's not really a thing elsewhere. It, superhero movies. No, there's not really superhero movies in various parts of Europe and. Definitely not like in Asia. There's superpowers, mm-hmm. but not like the the costumed yeah. vigilante. Yeah. That's a unique American thing. We we certainly know how to uh, saturate the market with one particular item, though. I think we've got a thing for people in uniform. Yeah, we do. Well, we love the latex. The latex. I think something about the the title and the labeling of of being super. Yeah, is something we do love because we're a superpower, right? Yeah, United States of America. Yeah, absolutely. We're we're gonna send. We send everyone to our, uh, our borders because we can. We're stronger we than can, everybody. Because we because we want to show a, vor- a force. You know? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that kind of hard power. It's successful. Yeah, it's kept us very rich at the mm. very least, and 
very mean, but, yeah. but that's all right. I mean, depending on who you ask. That, very true. Very true. There's, but there's also this, uh, those ro- there's a romanticism yeah. of it because it's been so successful in so many walks of life. Yeah. It, yeah. Everything. Mm-hmm. The millionaire. Mm-hmm. The billionaire. The billionaire is a superhero. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the successful actor, actress, artist, mm-hmm. name it. They're the superhero, right? We all, have, we have all these sort of megalith, uh, um, I don't know, icons, mm-hmm. you know, Donald Trump is a great example of like, you could call him a superhero. He's yeah. got a kind of superpower and a certain kind of like, um, I don't know, however you want to paint him, right? He's somebody that holds this almost inhuman quality. Yeah. And that's something Americans have always been interested in. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's, he's he, for, there was a time, a period of time before he became a, a caricature of himself and then our, our de facto leader. Yeah. It, that, I mean, there was, I mean, when I saw him in Home Alone 2, I was like, oh, that's Donald Trump. I was in that. Yeah. yeah. I think everyone does. And then you go like, Oh, there's that guy. Yeah, there he is. It, this is where it began, <laughs> or no, it didn't. It was it was there well before. Yeah, have you ever seen the movie Get Me Roger Stone? Mm, oh, I, I've seen the the adver- advertisements for it. Yes, it's about his like right hand man for all those years. Kinda, yeah. Roger Stone sort of made Donald Trump. Mm. Like in, the, he always wanted him to run. He was sort of uh, started in the Watergate scandal when he was a kid. Didn't even mean to be a part of it, and sort of took on this realization that being hated in politics is not the worst thing. Mm. In fact, it's pretty good for ratings. It's pretty good to easy to slander people and sort of, you could say like the, the crudest, maybe even most corrupt version of our, the way our media operates today Mm -hmm. is kind of thanks to Roger Stone. Mm. And, uh, and he really wanted Donald Trump to be president. He's, he, he planned the whole campaign. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, then Then they broke up. It's they had a weird like, falling out. Yeah, weird falling out. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was with. It, it's like this idea of like Donald. No, I did all this. Yeah. There was no. There was no support. Yeah. I had the. I had the. I had the Roger energy. Stone shouldn't be surprised. Yeah, and then once R- Roger was getting some attention, I was like, ah, I got to distance myself from that because it was my creation. Yeah. Well, that, then Roger Stone went on to support libertarianism. So. Oh wow. So that's his. It's sort of his baby too. No. Oh. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a weird world. Yeah, it is a weird world. And all those people are, are heroes of their own kind, or villains, or whatever mm-hmm. archetype you want to paint them. But, yeah. but again, that story plays its part. Yeah, it, it, it's you're you're very uh, you're bringing up an excellent point. I've got a friend who's who's wanted to have these conversations with mass shooters, mm-hmm. the people who perpetrate those crimes. Yeah, because in their uh, in their brain, especially of late, it feels like with some of these specifically targeted things and yeah. i don't want to get too dark and we're kind of separating from it but yeah. um from the conversation of art but i mean you're bringing up this point about like the heroes of our own mind yeah. those people who've who've acted out those things they may on some level understand what they're doing is wrong or evil mm-hmm. but on another very real to them perspective it's necessary yeah, I mean, I, I'd say that everything every human being has ever done they thought was right. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you feel guilty for a thing, you understand why you did it yeah. to begin with. What yeah. misguided notion led you there? Yeah. So it must be that Hitler and Stalin and uh, every mass shooter must have thought they were doing the right thing. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. Good intentions, yeah. yeah. And it's an important reflection because it's easy to think, oh, well, there are evil people and they do evil things. But to mm-hmm. think instead... Wait, no, righteousness is what led everybody there. Yeah. Makes you reflect inside. Oh, 
do I think I'm right about everything? And, mm. Am I giving space for there to be real conversation or am I just charging forward mm -hmm. in a sort of violent fashion? The mass shooter is just like that times a billion. You know, yeah, so. absolutely. Mm -hmm. it, it, for you in your creation or just you as a person, mm -hmm. how often do you find yourself craving righteousness, being on the right side? Uh, all the time. I, mm -hmm. I think that that's why spiritual practices are so valuable. You know, whether it's <clears throat> praying or yoga or meditation or, um, you know, Tai Chi or uh, any other kind of physical practice, mm -hmm. there are ways in grounding us and reminding us that it's not worth being right. Yeah. It's just, there's just a too high a cost to being right. Mm -hmm. It's much easier to be peaceful mm -hmm. and then other people can be right. Let, let them be right and you can enjoy your life. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, balance. Yeah. Yeah. It's... Mm -hmm. It's so funny. We're, I was talking to you briefly as we were coming downstairs here to the studio and the basement studio. Yeah. And I was talking about the, the children I work with. And it's there from a very rough, rough to me way of life. Yeah. And some of them would probably admit that it's not ideal. And uh, talking, but, and then still encountering entitlement and, that the the need to be right yeah. all the time is something we we run our heads we we just bang our heads up against the wall often yeah. and it's it, it it's sad to see it at that young age uh, it would be so much better to teach them peace striving yeah. for that yeah it's it's difficult I mean I I don't think that there's any perfect way to do it like it's supposed to be difficult in mm -hmm. my opinion the the human story. And everybody, everybody feels it, no matter what color you are or what disability you have or what political affiliation you are, you know, you still hurt when you get a paper cut. Mm -hmm. Everybody experiences heartbreak. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll all probably experience betrayal. You know, there's, there's sort of these carnal human stories that everybody knows mm -hmm. and you don't need the media to know them. Yeah. You know them because that's how humans work. Yeah. That's how our lives go. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no matter... No matter the, the socioeconomic status of the kid, they're all going to deal with the same things ultimately. Absolutely. Which is good. It's a good thing. Yeah. We want to have those stories. Yeah. And it's easy to get caught up in, uh, you know, how do we fix this? But I don't think it's a, I don't think it's a problem. Mm. It's good to go through all that. Very true. I, I hadn't thought of, thought of it from that perspective. Yeah. Oh, that, that makes, that makes, that makes it a little easier. As it should, you know. Yeah. I think a lot of people freak out about Donald Trump or, or this or that, or Hillary Clinton or whoever mm -hmm. you know your, your enemy of the day is, your flavor of the week. But, uh, you know, you only project those things outside because you you fear for some kind of lack of control. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the the control piece is is a big part of it. And we don't have any, so don't worry about it. Yeah, you know, yeah. There you go. Let it be and 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 observe things. And I think that you tend to see that things are, are more perfect than we could ever imagine, no matter how violent and chaotic and random they may seem. Mm. Well, that's a great message for today. Mm. And just in general. No, that's thank you for that. No problem. Mm. I would go crazy if I didn't believe it personally. Yeah. No, I would imagine so. There's, I, I mean, for as an artist myself, I think it's so funny. Like I've, when I got started in the game, mm -hmm. I was uh, driven by uh, being the best, 
Mm. I wanted to be the best because I was good at it in school. It's what got me out of college. I graduated because I found theater. Yeah. And I, you know, if I didn't, I'd probably be a very unhappy desk jockey at a, at a gym somewhere. That's not saying that that's not a good job, but I just, yeah. I wouldn't have found something that lit me up. Yeah. What do you love about theater? Um, what I love about theater the most is, um, well, the first thing was I found myself by being somebody else. Yeah. And I think yeah. now what I, I love the most is let's see. I did a show recently, Guards of the Taj, mm -hmm. and I played what would be considered by a lot of people who saw it as the bad guy. And I had to I had to make him his hero. Right. To steal your the train of thought we've started on. Exactly. I, I, he had to be doing the right thing. And even that inevitably would eat him up. Yeah. I needed, I needed to, to do the, the terrible thing that he ends up doing over the course of that play. I needed to believe that I was doing the right thing, yeah. that I had no other choice, that this was still the right thing. And, and so I, I do it now to learn more perspectives yeah. and, and to be reminded constantly because I'm really good. Like I said, when I got started, I wanted to be the best. And since then, I've gotten better at pushing that voice away, but there's still something in me that is craving to that or, or to um, to be able to relax on the fact that I've got it figured out. Yeah. And I have to find the pieces that challenge me and remind me that I don't and that that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I would get really meta on it personally if it's mm -hmm. okay if I go on. Absolutely. I think um, actors, we talk a lot about the character, right? Mm -hmm. And... I think that there's so much talk about the character and so little talk about the actor. It's mm -hmm. very interesting. I mean, there's not little, but there's, it's less, it's less. So there's so much character study, so much line development, so much uh, sort of historical work that some people do um, learning the dossier of their character that the actor is often forgotten in the process. Mm -hmm. And the part of you, I think, and it's my view at least, the part of you that wants to be the best that wants to be talented, wants to be a millionaire, that wants to be the superhero. Mm. That part of you is just another character. That's not the actor. Mm. And so the character, as much as the character wants to be a good actor, it can't be because mm. it's a suit you wear. It's a, it's a thing you pretend to be, whatever, however you want to phrase it, mm. but it's not you. And that fundamental disconnect of self is something that acting constantly toys with. Um, and it's my, it's my favorite magic of acting. Mm. You know, I, the worst actors I've ever seen were actors that put on their character or really, really believed they were their character. Now, there's there's a kind of method acting that I do actually very much agree with more that you might call it channeling. Mm. But there's another kind where it's really believed that you become Albert Einstein yeah. and people in the audience think like, oh, Albert Einstein has come back from the dead and he's in front of me. And that that level of convincing is supposed to happen. But something much more subtle occurs in really good actors. Um, and that's the thing that I look for. Mm. It's really difficult to describe, but it's a realization of self. Mm. It's, a, it's, like I said, the magic fact. Yeah. That's, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, please correct me. This, um, this subtle transcendence mm -hmm. that occurs is, it is one of those things that, there's a, there's a level of presence in the actor that's there. Yeah. It, it, um, a connection with the audience and with the scene partner Absolutely. all as one and to incorporate all of that on some level 
it, that those are those are the maestro strokes, mm-hmm. and they're gentle. Yeah, they're very gentle. Mm-hmm. All the other things, the lines, the lights, the blocking, the cues, that's all sort of you could say memorized at this point. It's all yeah. on autopilot. Yeah, yeah. But the other things, like you're talking about, that presence, that's the actor. That's, yeah. that's not the thing that's that's painted and has a costume on. That's not the character that's being represented. That's like you said, the maestro, the director behind the human. Mm-hmm. Um, but that metaphor is not just for the stage. No. Any great sports player yeah. knows this very well. Confucius calls it wei. It's a state of uh, selflessness is the direct translation. Mm. Uh, not like being nice to people, selflessness, mm-hmm. like, like the opposite of selfishness, but literally no self, no you, mm. you know, empty vessel, hollow bone, they say in indigenous cultures, right? Mm. Um, and that state is where great acting comes from. It's also where the guy who kicks a, a you know a last minute field goal in football with the, all the pressure of the final two seconds of the game and mm-hmm. his salary and the, if all that's happening and as mm-hmm. he's about to kick the ball, you know, he's like, "Well, my dad never really loved me." Then mm-hmm. he's not. There's no chance he's going to make it. Definitely. I hope Brandon McManus didn't think that before he it's missed. Probably what, probably what happened. Yeah. He probably had some daddy issues. No, no, I, I don't know. Yeah, but, yeah. but that state, very few things go wrong in that state. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At least, I honestly think it's it's as perfect as a human being can be. Yeah, I uh, I had an experience when I was grad before I graduated college, and the last the last performance I did on this main stage show where I blacked out. Oh yeah, yeah, like right before the lights came up, and I come on, I come on as a horse. I've got like a kid on my back, and I lumber out making the noises as a horse, and I don't remember anything after the the curtain opened up for me. And then right. I came out after bows and I'm meeting people and I like, I grabbed one of my friends. I'm like, did, did I fuck up? What was going on? Like, what do you mean? It's like, I don't remember saying anything. Yeah. I don't remember anything that happened out there. And it's like, I, there was a part of me for the longest time to try to get back to that. And I've, and I, and I've, I've encountered it in different forms yeah. in terms of like, you've just in preparation so much like at the end of this long run I had for the Kentucky cycle, there was a specific character. Yeah. I could just, it just slid into. Yeah. And, and to be honest, I can't tell you specific moments from him. Like when things went wrong on stage with other actors, I can pinpoint those moments, but the stuff I did, I can't tell you if it was right or wrong yeah. or what I was thinking in the moment. It just, those things just kind of occurred. I'm sure all, any great musician will tell you that. Right? Mm-hmm. I say, ah, you know, basketball players are the same too. You go out there, you play four minutes of hard basketball. Like, you're not gonna remember every shot and every yeah. little bit and piece. You, not if you were present. Not if you're good. Mm-hmm. You know, that presence is such a beautiful thing. And you think about how much of our lives, too, how much of our lives we're tricked into thinking about our past and our future, two phenomenons that are outside of the present and that get us caught up in forms of memory. Mm-hmm. And you know, I think probably the less of that, the better. Yeah. If people, if people want to be happy, but. When you paint, you just came from a painting session. Yeah, yeah, but not like truly artistic paintings. Painting a recording studio. Oh, well, still, do you paint or do you are you involved in any other no. artistic realms where I'm you really, find that? I don't. I'm not really an artist. That's, <laughs> that's the weird thing about me loving this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, um, I'm really not an artist. Hmm. I like my 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 form of creation takes a different uh, medium. Yeah, which is not which has to do with the other artists' mediums. It's not so much about uh, my own creative potential. There's something I have, I have to have some other partner. 
hmm. in order for my thing to connect. Oh, wow. Yeah. So how did you find that need? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to describe. Like, I very much love doing podcasts, and mm. I run a podcast in the podcast network, and we're building a studio and stuff. Nice. And I've always been paid very well to do hosting and things like that. Uh, but I just have always, as a producer especially, and as a director, mm -hmm. it's clear, like, I love working with people who are way more talented than me. Mm. Um, and that's part of my art. Not everybody is interested in being the maestro, the director, the producer, because mm -hmm. you're simultaneously doing all the guiding while also not being there to do it. You're sort of, yeah, sort of field general, you know, like mm -hmm. you, don't, you don't fight on the field, but you, you have the strategy of how the battle should go or whatever. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love it. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a symbiosis. Yeah. You're together. You work really well, but from a lack of effort on yeah. your part. Yeah. That's the goal. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. Those things happen too. <laughs> very, very. Do you do you find ever ego stepping in for you or no? Of course. Yeah. Oh wow. All the time. Everybody has it. Mm -hmm. Every anything I ever hear inside my head is ego. Yeah. In, my, in my own definition of of ego. Mm. So, and lots of other things, you know, like especially when you're an event producer or a director. There's a there's this strong urge inside of you. Like, this is my thing. Yeah, I I I put this up. I raise the money for this thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that's that's not true. It's never yours. No. Even a millionaire, right? even Donald Trump, he'd be nothing with all the people he he pays ten dollars an hour to do whatever he mm -hmm. he's done, right? Yeah. Without the janitors alone to clean his hotels, you know who is he really? So great point. So you know, it's you could say it's yours, but possession isn't. An, an, yeah. So we all need each other. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. What what do you what's part of your plan for the future? You even think beyond that. You you've been talking about this state where you're very present here. Mm -hmm. You don't look too far. But I know are you were expecting, yes. A uh, child? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I'm pretty sure it's to be human. Oh, I hope so. We'll find out. We'll find out. Yeah. If it's yeah. <laughs> But no, I try not to think too, too far. It's scary. Mm. You think too far ahead. Yeah. Childbirth is an insane phenomenon by which a human being can phase out of this world and match a soul and snatch mm. a soul and bring it back through the void. That's yeah. a, it's quite a thing. And women are very powerful to be able to do that. Absolutely. And I've seen I've seen a live birth that a friend had, and that was super raw, and I loved it. And it was so to see my wife go through it is going to be crazy, but. Uh, but no, it's not worth thinking about. Mm. I know I'm going to be there. Mm -hmm. I know I'm going to be present and help for however I can. And when that moment comes, I'll be there. But I'm not right now. It's, I'm going to prepare for it. You know, I'm going to save money for a midwife. And all oh, that. totally. Yeah. Yeah. But try not to think too much about it. it it's it, for me. I'm, I'm sitting here. I'm, I'm engaged in this conversation with you. And then one of the things that's awesome is that the more we've talked, the more relaxed I've gotten. Good. And uh, but it, it's it's I think one of the reasons why is because of the the presence here that I, I it just it's that you have and that we've talked about it's kind of focused me allowed me to think about just my breathing and listening and trying to be present for this conversation and then i i i wonder because it's hard i think for the, the average joe i find that being present yeah. and just taking stock of the now is difficult. Of course it is. How did this 
how did you come to focus on on just that way of being? I mean, I'm sure it, I, I'm, I can only assume that it wasn't like an over the night thing. I mean, this took time. Yes. Did, yeah. I remember when I first sat down to do meditation, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I was trying to do a form of meditation called TM, Transcendental Meditation. And mm-hmm. the goal is to repeat a mantra in your head over and over again. It sort of sounds like a dun, 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 whatever. That was one of my old ones. Mm-hmm. And you repeat the mantra in your head over and over again until your mind just kind of shuts up. But it's much more difficult to do than you think. Hmm. And to sit there and just do nothing but this thing for even 30 seconds. I remember when 30 seconds was excruciating. Yeah. And then being silent and trying not to think. Well, not, that's not the right way to put it. But uh, uh, finding a space between the thoughts was so very difficult. And I sort of just got addicted to um, being still. Hmm. And I used to, it became very clear, like, oh, God, this is really hard for me. And that was me three or four years ago. And then I started incorporating that practice daily, and now entering that state's a little easier. Um, But I get drawn out of it all the time. Mm -hmm. It's easy. You get into a political fight or a fight with a spouse, and then, boom, you're taken out of it. Mm -hmm. When you come back to your presence, you think, like, oh, my God, I was gone for, like, 30 minutes. Like, it took me that long to come back. Mm. Some people get angry and never return. Yeah. When people get angry and their center is gone for the rest of their life mm. and they die sleeping. And that's uh it's not uncommon. We're also we also live in a world where we're constantly inundated with information. Go, mm. go, 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 go. This yeah. episode, that episode, now this commercial, now that ad. And, yeah. And it's it's the stream of data we're getting is so force fed. That we think we have to be eating all the time, consuming, 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 mm-hmm. consuming. And to stop, take a moment, and listen to the things around you. Yeah. That presence is, uh, you're right. It's, um, I don't want to say uncommon, but that's probably the right word. Mm-hmm. It is uncommon to live there. Yeah. yeah. The, People the, get smacked into it every once in a while. Like you see a beautiful sunset or something. Mm-hmm. What were you saying? Oh, no, I, was, I think you. Yeah. It, to live in it was the was the key for me. It's so often. I mean, you were right. We carry a billboard in our pocket. Sure. The vast majority of us. Absolutely. And I mean, by necessity or whatever we call it, it's it's mother's milk for some people. Yeah. And it's one of those. It and while that's not the only culprit, it it has made this force feeding of information more readily available and easy. Yeah, I try and think of what it was like a hundred years ago, you know, like people were probably a little more chill because things weren't as blared at you, but for at least 300 years, human beings have been chatterboxes regarding how we feed each other information. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot. And also, you know, there's no sensor, there's no uh, uh, filter for what information gets fed to us. You know, when you're driving down the, the street and you see a giant billboard, whose whole message gets to project itself into your consciousness. You know, there's no consent, mm-hmm. but it's sort of like constantly this non-consensual uh, just force feeding yeah. of information. And it's people get sick. Yeah. And, and mentally and spiritually, there's a sickness, I think. from that. It, 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 very much so. So, I, I mean, algorithms on Facebook, for mm-hmm. example, I mean, how, how those are those are crafted by companies without 
any consideration of an individual. And it's then it we we can't eat, we, we can't avoid it. Yeah, it'll yeah. just constantly change. Mm-hmm. We're consenting by what we click on other pages, yeah. but even then, that's a that's a manipulation. You consented in the use legally. You consented in the user agreement. You know, you yeah. consented when you downloaded it. You consented when you made your account. But mm. but that's it's sort of a false consent. You know? yeah. you didn't, you, no one, I don't know a single human being that's ever read a single terms and conditions of service. Yeah. Definitely not. They're re- and they're written in a whole other language, so it's pretty hard to read. Mm-hmm. Legalese. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and you know, and so we've been tricked, all of us, into providing our consent constantly. Yeah. We could we provide our consent in other ways, too, though. You know, We provide our consent when we log in. Mm-hmm. We provide our consent when we give it our attention. Mm-hmm. We provide our consent when we spend our dollars a certain way. They wouldn't blast us with this stuff if it didn't work. Truth. You know, we wouldn't get blasted with Pepsi ads if we didn't buy Pepsi. Mm-hmm. They would be like, oh, that one does, it doesn't work for that one, so don't show them that. Yeah. So if you buy nothing, then suddenly everything has less draw on you, too. But that's hard. It is hard. Things are cool. It's cool to have things. I'm a big video game nerd. And Same. Every time I see a big, a new uh, graphics card or a new video game, the, the consumerist urge in me pulls for, oh. for something. You know what else I think it is, too, is it's constantly external verification. This thing's going to make you happy. That thing's gonna make me happy. Yeah. If only you were really good at acting, or if only you were mm-hmm. a millionaire, mm-hmm. if only you had the love of your life, if yeah. only you had those shoes, had this car, saw this show, you know, whatever it is. None of none of it is true though. Yeah. There's nothing outside of you that can bring you any kind of happiness. I love this song by J. Cole, Love Yours. Love yours, yeah. And it's it, he talks about all these various various things. Mm-hmm. Then at the, the the core of it is that it's all hearsay and guesswork. It's, whereas everything you really need is the from the search from within. Yeah, it sounds so corny to say that. But yeah, it does sound corny. I mean, it's difficult to tell a, a Trump supporter or somebody that was poor their whole life or whatever. Well, they're just future millionaires, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what everybody thinks, I suppose. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's some quote about. From some a communist fella I might like, who says uh, Americans don't think of themselves as a disenfranchised proletariat; they all think of themselves as future millionaires. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's what you're referencing, but it's, it sounded the same. Yeah, but it's true. It's true. Everybody, that's the American dream, right? You yeah, be a millionaire one day. Work for as long as we have to before that big check clears. Yeah, yeah, that's a curious one. Mm-hmm. I feel very glad not to be too caught up in that. Hmm. I'm still conditioned. I still want to be successful. Well, true. But I have to find other drives that aren't money or, or fame to push that. Mm-hmm. The, the, the measurement of success is one of those things that's always been peculiar for me. How do you measure? Um, now, more so than ever. And, and it's been, it's, it's, this is coming after a rash of what we would deem failures. Um, at the start of this year, I am just, I, the more fortunate I am, the, where that, not like I'm, I'm having to live in a place of, you know, repayment, but just acknowledgement Mm -hmm. of loving mine. Mm -hmm. That's where I'm, I'm, I'm the most happy. 
Like I know where my level of focus and dedication is to the craft, my, my artistry. I know where that's going to take me. I know where that's going to take me. It's already taken me further than I ever thought it would. And I have to, when I find those moments, I'm like, it's okay. Just do the work. And if it happens, it happens. I had a conversation with a friend recently and, and we were talking about the places I was working as opposed to the places where I was not getting consistent work. Mm-hmm. And I was, and I love him. And I got so heated. And I'm just, I, I got to this end thing. Like I woke up the next morning. It's like, I'm still working. Yeah. I'm still, I'm still at this. That's my level of success. Mm-hmm. 35, I don't have a, a very, like, my look is my look. It's unique. But we're, I'm, I'm happy we're getting to this place where we're, at least I hope we're driving to this place of, like, um, just open casting. Yeah. Where we're not so focused on look. And it'll be, yeah. So in that realm, I'm still getting work even now. So that's something I'm like, okay. That's yeah. my success. I think a lot of people talk about look and don't mean it. Oh, yeah. I think what they mean when they talk about look in acting is mm-hmm. something a little less obvious than like the way you appear to be. Yeah. Even the way you appear to be is not all about physical. Mm-hmm. Some of it might be, but I don't think it all is. And and I when I'm personally doing casting stuff mm-hmm. on the show, rarely am I looking at even age. I'm trying to think of any indicator that matters. Male, female, sometimes... I think might be might matter for the crux of the story, but even then they can be interchanged. Totally. Um, and even then, if it's about lovers, not necessarily, it all just changes the way the direction of the show goes. But, mm-hmm. um, but I try not to. That's part of the reason we started Black Actors Guild. Mm-hmm. There's so few roles for a black actor. Yeah. Like it's like legitimately, it's like, you know, the slave one, best friend number two, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't know Oedipus or something here and there. Yeah. yeah. So, but. Other than that, there's very little. You can do fences, some August Wilson work. Yeah. But uh, did you mean Othello? Othello, that's what I'm yeah. sorry. No, 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 you're <laughs> good. It's much different. Yeah. It's late. Yes, it's late, and I, I was teaching a Shakespeare class the other day, so I think it's just kind of mixing up all my different characters. Hmm. Yeah, no, Oedipus Rex is a much different creature. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, the race is a real thing. It is especially in stories that are telling stories about racial dynamics, that can be important. So the look, it does matter there, but the look isn't necessarily that you're this type of African-American person, just that you are African-American and that it relates to that way in the story that it's you know, about these race relations or whatever. Absolutely. At that time, I can put so. So that's it. But I think we are moving farther and farther away from it. There's also some people who really hold on to it, right? Oh, yeah. Back to the superhero things. Look at any people who get mad any time a character is a different race than they were in the comic books. Like the outrage. I mean, this has been a popular topic on my podcast in in the past, Hmm. the outrage around, um, the new stormtrooper Finn. Uh, yeah. From the star Wars. There's an outrage. There was outrage when they, when he, in the first trailer, he removes his mask and he's all like, like Uh out of breath and sweating. And they removes his mask. And like, there there was people like, wait a second. Stormtroopers aren't black. We've never seen a face before. Yeah. We have no idea what they look like. Yeah. They're just people. They're just people. They're all just supposed to be people. Yeah. 
since I love, I'm a big, actually a big Star Wars nerd. Mm. And yeah, since after the Clone Wars, they're just, they're just dudes. Yeah. All random people. They get sort of drafted. You get drafted by the Empire, essentially. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. You're just, you're cannon fodder. Yeah, you're cannon fodder. Yeah. I, I have We're, to, They're going to lose a Death Star every three years. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so it's like, what, half a million troops or something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, they got to replenish the ranks somehow. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Can't all go to Hoth and go to the draft combine there. No, that's not how it works. No. Nope. You're not always going to spend your picks that way. No, 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 no. I mean, Jedi is obviously, they're, they're going in the top 10. Yeah. And <laughs> they're usually on the, on the good side. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That Luke, he had a great 40 time. He did. Yeah, he did. There, he looked really good in uh, in all of his all his stuff. Oh, the three cone drill. Do you remember Luke Skywalker the three cone <laughs> drill? Damn. Oh, in and out of those breaks, it was impressive. He moved the cones around him. Yeah, he did. He didn't even. <laughs> yeah, I, I love that. And you know, uh, Lucas was a huge Joseph Campbell fan too. Oh, yeah. And uh, he obviously had a lot more to say with the the original three than the than the prequels mm -hmm. or anything of the the new ones, but because yeah. uh, Disney. But uh, he was he was a huge Joseph Campbell fan. They were friends, actually. Oh wow! They knew each other at least, yeah. But who was that first book you did, you mentioned from Joseph? The, the Hero of a Thousand Faces. Mm. And then there's another one called The Power of Myth. And in The Power of Myth, he explores every different great religion and indigenous story and compares them and sort of outlines. I think it's sixteen now. It's less than that. He outlines a bunch of main stories mm -hmm. and how essentially everyone's telling a bunch of similar tales, right? Yeah. Um, almost every culture has the arc myth that there's like a great flood mm -hmm. and that like there was a previous race of uh, a previous uh, uh, beings that inhabited the planet, but this flood came along and the creator was like, no, we're done with this and yeah. you get a new shot. Yeah. Um, like the edge of sketch being shook. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got that myth mm -hmm. all around the world. Um, everyone has the myth of the trickster, right? The sort of demon joker. They are simultaneously bad guys, but also here to teach you a lesson. So there's like this dark, uh, friendly enemy character. Mm -hmm. um, everybody has uh, a great mother character who is usually also the planet, also mm -hmm. the giver of, of grass and life. And, and of course, that makes sense because women are that. And so yeah. Anyway. He compares all these things, and, uh, and George Lucas was a huge fan, and adopted the hero's journey, is what it's called. Can't remember the five cycles, but uh, there are all these specific cycles a hero has to go through. Essentially, like, you have to start out as a hero, but kind of weak. You have to get defeated by someone. There's like one great failure, mm -hmm. and then there's like a learning period, and then there's this sort of re-engaging of the, of the thing you failed at and the conquering of that that brings you back to the, the cycle of the hero. Mm -hmm. Anyway. It's really interesting. I think they've done a really bad job with the new Star Wars, by the way. Oh, really? Yeah, like Finn's a great example. He uh, he just he beat what's her name uh, the 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 girl stormtrooper. The yeah, girl. yeah, yeah. Um, Captain Phasma. Phasma. Yeah. Phasma. He yeah. beats her real easy two times. Like, yeah. He should have got his ass beat the first time, mm -hmm. and then that would have like set up the crux. Like the next time they fight, he's no longer just a stormtrooper who's. Now he's sort of like this Jedi trained yeah. rebel who's, you know, and now he gets to showcase everything he's learned mm -hmm. in his next fight with her, but that he just beats her twice. They're both kind of comedic and weird too. It, it loses all of its juice. I don't care yeah. anymore. You can see it coming. Yeah. 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 I was, I remember watching the last one thinking like some, 
something outside of Finn's control will end this this yeah. bout, and he'll look the the heroic victor. Yeah. And then like something like crashed down behind Phasma. Yeah. And broke the ground up from under. Yeah. Spoiler alert! But it's been a year now. Go it see has. it. You, you, I'm sure you've seen it. It's yeah. on Netflix. I think. Yeah, it is. It is yeah. on Netflix. And if you're not watching it on Netflix, I don't know what yeah, you're doing. They just they lost all their love, their their greatness to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Did you think Rogue One was a good Star Wars? I love Rogue One. I thought I I always wanted Star Wars to be as dark as Rogue One was. Oh, it's real dark. And yeah. Think. If you read like any of the canon comic book or even like the animated series, The Clone Wars, there was like an element of darkness that appeared every once in a while that was really good. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I I've had. I've had many debates about Rogue One, and I, I I believe it's the quintessential Star Wars movie. I think it's the best. Yeah, I, I think it's the best. It's not the first three. You know? yeah. yeah, it's it, it's so important to the life that we fell in love with. Yeah, like, if we didn't have the story of Rogue One, we'd have been fine. Yeah, but it was but to feel that the turmoil and the yeah. darkness, like the savagery of what was really happening to catapult us into this world yeah. was excellent. Yeah, I think it plays in a myth, too, that everyone knows that their lives, there's a little sort of uh, occult darkness that leads us to the plenty that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and it played a little bit at that. But every time we touch our phones, every time we see a homeless person on the street, there's a reminder that there's some price to all of this. Yeah. And, uh, and someone's paying it, but it's not us right now. So, yeah, yeah, I know it's dark. It's it's the it's the good shit though. I like that. You know, yeah. excuse my language, but that's what I want. I want the juicy uh, human questions. And I don't want I don't want to see Ray, you know, find Luke and have a bunch of comedic scenes about it. I want like the I want the growth. I want the hard stuff. Yeah, maybe that's not what people want these days. Not right now. They they got to get it somewhere. No, they don't. They don't. No, they don't. I mean, it'll be offered to them somewhere, mm-hmm. but whether or not they take it is is our choice. That's sort of, I think, the journey of being human. Ah. We all get the same opportunities, you know, the same opportunities to be kind and or be rude. Or we all have gotten an opportunity to steal from someone. Oh, yeah. We've all gotten an opportunity to break someone's heart or mm-hmm. be unfair. And uh, who does what? Yeah, it's a different thing. That's yeah, yeah. very true. But that's why I like Rogue One. That's why I like darker stuff because mm-hmm. those those choices are really there. Yeah, all the time. Really good theater is that way. Um, yeah, yeah. Really good existence is like that. Yeah, really good. Really good human beingness. Yeah. Is, is that way? And when you when you are aware of those cha- challenges as they happen. Yeah. And stay on point with yeah. whatever is your motivation. Right. But to be faced with it and to not back away from it. Yeah, or not ignore it or whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Usually when we get to this time in the podcast, Mm -hmm. we ask, what's that ghost light you wish was left on for you before you dove in? Ghost light. Define that for me. The ghost light is my favorite and the only um, theater superstition that I like and believe in. Um, You'd put a ghost light, you'd put a light on stage back at old theaters because there was a drop off the front yeah. and if anyone was working you did not want them to fall off the edge so you'd put it right up on the edge mm-hmm. and they knew okay that's where the border is mm-hmm. and also for the ghosts in the theater oh. that they they had some place to gravitate towards so you'd put it at 
near at center on mm-hmm. the edge. Mm-hmm. So they they were happy and not not alone. I just love this idea of this this light providing I you know a heads up yeah. and a place to kind of come together on. Yeah. All so the same time. So your question is what is my ghost light? Yeah, what, what would be your ghost light? What's something that you want people thinking about um who they are you know and not not in the corny way mm-hmm. when i ask a question like who are you i don't want to know what you've done or who you've helped mm-hmm. or what your favorite ideas are none of that is who you are who you are is behind all of those things <clears throat> it's actually why i like the ghost light metaphor only having heard you mention it now mm-hmm both the center and the edge. Mm. There's like this place inside of us that is simultaneously the very, very middle. It's where all things come from. It's the thing that sees the thought. It's the thing that hears the words, but it's simultaneously on the edge of something else. Yeah. It's both in the middle and on the edge. I think these paradigms are very beautiful. And so maybe to be really meta, my ghost light is the ghost light. It's oh. the, the very, the call itself. It's the, the journey taken to find that place beautiful yeah thank you ryan absolutely i hope that was sufficient how how long has it been already um it's been about 50 minutes wow fun yeah no i i had a good time hope you did yeah absolutely definitely we didn't talk too much no 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 it was it was this was this was great it was it was a nice back and forth and uh it's one of those things that was just like i said there was I get to this place when I start recording. Okay, this is where we start and this is where we end. And this is where I got to drive, drive, drive. And I was nervous because I didn't necessarily know. I don't know enough about you to say I can begin here and I can end here. Mm -hmm. And it was great to just kind of have the conversation unfold. Yeah. Well, is there any more you want to know about me? Who are you? Oh, I just turned my question back on me. Yeah. I got to ask you that. Who am I? I cannot answer that question. Okay. And I am that question. I am uh, I am the listener and not what is listened to. Mm. I am the speaker and not the words. I am the author and not the character, the actor and not the character. Mm. I am this sort of consciousness that is behind all things, ever present, never born, never dying. Is to quote the Bible. I said, "Alpha, I am Alpha and Omega." Mm-hmm. I don't think that line's meant for God. I think that's you know, that's it's meant to be reflective of who we are. We're not human. Mm. We're being human, like you might be a character, <laughs> right? Yeah. But you're not the character. No, and you're not this. This body is changing all the time. Every cell is replaced. But you, you stay constant. The you that looked in the mirror when you were five and the you that looks in the mirror and now sees a 35-year-old, that you, it hasn't changed. Mm. That is, that's who you are. That's who I am. That's who we all are. And strangely, it's the same yeah. thing. We're all, you could use any word. We're all God. We're all consciousness. We're all spirit. We're all um, here. Yeah. That's who I am. Yeah. I like who you are. Thanks. Yeah. Well, it's a compliment for yourself since we're the same person. Definitely. Well, thank you. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. I love I love that idea that I mean, I 
when I was making up my mind about, is there a God? What is religion? What am I doing? Who am I praying to? And so on and so forth. Why am I praying? Yeah. I, I kept hearing these, these trains of thought. It's like, there's a God within us. Yeah. No, you can believe whatever you want to believe, but the vast, but, but it all comes back to this center thing. The thing that connects is that there's that light, that, that divine possibility exists in all of us. Yeah, and if we, understand believe hold on to that that can bind us together yeah, and sure. that's enough to worship that's enough to foster growth yeah yeah and it's and it's easy to as well yeah it's not something that takes much effort mm -mm. it's easy to like other people if you think you are other people mm -hmm. and vice versa yeah. we're all connected all connected all the same you know not all definitely connected but all all one mm -hmm. more than just connected you know, you might say it's we're all connected on the planet, but like the roots of an aspen are connected in a different way, in which they are all one tree. Mm. We are all actually that way, but it's just it's become a little difficult to see. Yeah, it's part of the game too, though. I think we've done this on purpose. Yeah, I know we're nearing the end of the podcast. No, to, keep going. But to spit out some final metaphysical stuff. Yeah, we're all. I, I think uh, we God did this on purpose. We split ourselves into this illusion. We dreamt this dream because mm -hmm. it's kind of boring to be everything. Yeah. It's, it's kind of lame to be God, like outside of being human. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's no surprises, uh, no duality. Everything is, you know how everything is done. You can make anything you want, mm -hmm. anything, you know. So, and so we've, we've dreamt a little dream. We're playing a sort of video game called life. And, uh, and it's much more fun than mm. Much more fun than the board game we were initially sold. Yeah, or whatever it was that came before. Yeah, yeah, yeah so. absolutely. So yeah, that's who we are. We're the player. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Take control of yourself. Yeah, and and have fun. Mm -hmm. It's a game. Have fun. It's okay. Yeah. On election day, I want to say that especially. Don't take it too seriously. Do everything you can to help. Move forward. Play the game. Mm -hmm. Be successful in your own life and help other people and all that. You know all that. But really, don't ever take it too seriously. Mm -hmm. It's not worth it. That's that was the message that my friends texted me before you arrived. Yeah, he was going to bed. It was like it's going to work out. I love you guys. Yeah, going to bed. Go. We're all in this big chat. So what's your chat? What's it about? Oh, we, oh it was this. Uh, it's some all like some friends of mine that I went to middle school with. One of them is my boss now at Kepner Beacon. Okay, and then some of his teacher friends, and they've been watching the election results for like the last two hours, three hours. Mm. Then. There's been some angst about some some um, projections already, but uh, you know, right before you arrived, I was looking at it. It's like, yeah, it's going to be better from one perspective, but I think definitely after having this conversation, try not to allow yourself to get bogged down in it because if you do, whether you whatever side you're on, there's no energy for being involved in the change that you want to see. Yeah. Well, the change that we want is going to have to happen now. Yeah. And uh, and now disappears as soon as you're concerned about things like that. Mm -hmm. That becomes the past or the future. You know, oh, well, these people did that. Or, oh, well, what if they do this? And fear is every place that's not now. So, yeah. No need that. Definitely. Yeah. Well, once again, ladies and gentlemen, the man is Ryan Fu. The the being sitting across from me is, from, is Ryan Fu. He is... This has been a lot of fun for me. Thank you very much. I hope you had a great time listening, everybody. Again, the song is War by the Hypnotic Brass Ensemble. Please pick it up. 
And again, today's sponsor was sobriety. I have to make a joke, but mm. at the end of my long day, this was extremely refreshing, much more so than a glass of the brownest brown liquors. <laughs> All right, everybody. Uh, Sam Gilstrap, we out. Have a good one. Have a good one.